If I could also um, ask Anne, would you just step up? I'm sorry, I should have asked you before. Um, Anne is our eco-church representative, and she's been busily uh, helping us to achieve our bronze award. So thank you so much, Anne, and thank you for... Um, thank you. Enabling us to have Helen, Helen Stevens from Arosha. Thank you so much, Helen, for, for coming to join us today. Perhaps you'll share a little bit about Arosha, the work that you're doing um, across the UK and the world as well. Thank you I so will. much. Thank you. thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. And thank you, Anne. Yeah, thank you. It's lovely to be with you on this bright, slightly chilly spring morning. Um, and thank you very much for inviting me. Let me begin by congratulating you on this Bronze Eco Church Award, um, which I think you achieved last autumn, but which we're also celebrating today. That award is the culmination of actions that you are taking together as a church, some of which may be quite small, but which collectively, with thousands of other churches across the country, is helping us to become a powerful force for change. Some of you may have heard of Earth Hour, which took place last weekend. It actually began in 2007 as a small grassroots movement of individuals and businesses in Australia, um, switching off their lights for an hour as a reminder that small actions can make a big difference. Well, that's become a global movement with over 190 countries showing support by taking part in switch-off events to show their support for nature and climate. You may have been involved in Climate Sunday last year or heard of it when thousands of churches committed to taking action ahead of the Climate Talks COP26 in Glasgow by, for example, uh, registering for Eco Church or committing to gain an award and churches speaking up to their MP to ask for a cleaner, greener future. And then towards the end of the month, we have Earth Day on the 22nd of April with an interesting call to invest in our planet. These moments, these movements, are of course great and lead to grassroots action, solidarity, pressure on governments, and ultimately, hopefully, the restoration of nature. It seems a little ironic, though, that because of decades, even centuries, in which we have taken resources for granted, over-extracted from the earth, worked the soil too hard, that we now find ourselves needing specific hours, specific days, when we come together in solidarity for the earth, which is not our planet at all. It leads me to wonder what God thinks of all this activity, behind which is the bigger question of what he thinks of this planet, of what we have done to his creation of which we ourselves are a part. That, I think, is the starting point of answering the question, which I'd like to try to do this morning, of why caring for the earth matters to us, especially as Christians. Firstly, then, God's love of and authority over creation, which we can see so beautifully in this passage that's just been read to us um, from Job. I could have chosen any number of biblical passages, um, such as Genesis 1 and 2. That's often an obvious place to start. And many of the Psalms um, are full of beautiful language that reflect just how much God loves this world, his creation. However, I love this conversation in Job, 
in which Job can be left in no doubt as to God's relationship with creation, both as its creator and provider. There are wonderful relational aspects to all of this, of God in conversation with Job, revealing the intimacy and his constant interaction of his relationship with creation, which indeed includes Job himself and us too. As this passage was read to us, I wonder what verses strike you and how it inspires you to think about and reflect on God's creation. For me, it's the precision with which God created the earth, determining its measurements, placing boundaries on the seas, commanding the morning. God is the owner of the whole universe, let alone the earth, and he determines its patterns and settings the dawn, the sunsets, the very rhythm of life. Drawing on biblical passages such as this hopefully helps us to see God's delight in all he's made, its value and beauty. I grew up in Swansea in South Wales near the beautiful Gower Peninsula, and I loved nature from a very early age, as many of us do because I think that love of nature, of the earth, is actually part of who we are created to be. So the authority and the intimate connection with all of creation, certainly that intimate connection, is something that we can have too. If any of you watch Grand Designs, you'll know that many potential house builders go into a project expecting it to take a defined period of time but often they overrun, sometimes by several years, and people end up living in a caravan on a site that's boggy, and goodness, I just don't know how people do it, and often at the same time as doing two other jobs. Um, But anyway, they underscope the complexity of it, and they run into any number of other disruptions. Even these projects, grand as they are, and they often are, the finished product is often so stunning, they don't come close to bringing a perspective on designing the universe. God also asks Job if he's walked in the recesses of the deep. I I just love that whole concept. Only in recent years have we started to explore the depths of the oceans and discovered far more life there than we ever thought could be sustained. Creatures such as anglerfish, goblin sharks and blobfish um, are all part of a vital deep sea ecosystem. My son has a book called You're Called What?, and all these animals turn up to a desk to get their names changed because they're called things like the blobfish and the fried egg jellyfish. And seriously, there are creatures that have these names, and they just want to be called Dave. (laughs) (laughs) But there's plastic down there too in our oceans, right at the very depths they've found plastic, and predictions that by 2050 there'll be more plastic in the oceans than fish. And that brings me um, to the second aspect of why caring for the earth matters to us as Christians. We've damaged creation to such an extent that it's especially impacting people in poverty, people made in the image of God around the world, and a million other species under threat of extinction. Wildfires, floods, and droughts are all increasing, and millions of people face losing their homes and being displaced. And it's not something that's away over there. Um, It's happening here in the UK too, as we know. 
And we can also expect to see many more refugees as people um, live in parts of the world that become less and less inhabitable. A change in climate has indeed been a natural phenomena over millennia, but there's now no scientific doubt that the changes that we're witnessing today are due to human activity, burning fossil fuels, exhausting the land through large-scale agriculture and monocropping, Western consumption, and it is predominantly Western consumption, highlighting the injustice of climate change that those suffering the biggest consequences are the ones who've done the least to cause it. As for nature itself, during the pandemic, when so much of our day-to-day -day human activity ceased, many more of us reported tuning into birdsong, noticing nature around us, and needing that daily walk outside in the outdoors to sustain ourselves. Nature has been there all along, albeit in serious decline. We need nature for our well-being and our mental health. And we need nature for what is termed nature-based solutions to climate change. So that's activities such as restoring wetlands, protecting floodplains, and peatlands, hence the call to no longer use peat in our gardens, because it's a really important habitat for locking in carbon. The challenges that we face in the years ahead are enormous. You maybe have heard reference to a figure of one and a half degrees centigrade of temperature rise, beyond, uh, that's the critical level of global warming beyond which the consequences become even more disastrous. However, whilst there is a place for repentance and lamentation for all that we have lost and stand to lose, we are called to hope and not to despair. Thirdly then is this hope that we find in Jesus and coming to the passage that was read for us in Colossians 1. As Christians, we know the end of the story. We can have a deep and unshakable hope because of what Jesus has done for us and what he continues to do in the world. I chose the second reading in Colossians in the New Testament because I think it gives us a much more holistic and bigger view of Jesus. His death on the cross and resurrection is not just for me and you and the rest of humanity. It is for all things in heaven and on earth. That's the whole of creation, the restoration of the cosmos, no less. And we're invited to be part of this work of reconciliation, reconciling people to their father, but also reconciling people to the creation we've been given to steward and seeing it restored. We can have hope. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, all things can be made new. Everything sin has broken and corrupted is being restored and reconciled to God. And what's more, we can be a part of it. And Jesus invites us to participate in this, in his mission in the world. So whilst caring for the earth is the fifth mark of mission in the Anglican Communion, which is to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth, it's more than a fifth mark. It's integral to all of our mission, to love God and our neighbours, including the non-human world. And being part of this ministry of stewarding and reconciliation is the fullness of the gospel message, not a side issue. So finally then, how do we respond? 
Well, our first response, I'd suggest, should be to fix our eyes on God and to pray uh, for all that's going on around our world right now, not least Ukraine, the energy crisis, um, the challenges that we face. And then we can't stop there. In the face of a crisis like this, we need to be brave and use our voices because when we speak up together, governments and businesses can change. We have to hold on to that hope. And the encouraging news is that there's a huge amount that we can do to respond to the crises together. There are around 50,000 place-based worshipping communities, Christian communities in the UK, present in almost village, every village, town and city neighbourhood. Most have buildings which of course require heating and lighting and therefore use energy, um, which could add to our greenhouse gas emissions um, if that energy is from fossil fuels, or we can maybe be... Um, supplying our heating and lighting from renewables. Churches have land, as you do here. Even a small amount can be used um, for nature. Some of the churches and denominations have uh, large areas of land, but, and collectively it, re it adds up quite quickly to several thousand acres. And that can be managed to mitigate climate change, or in a way that makes it worse. Um, it's often a significant haven for nature, and I've seen that wonderful bug hotel outside um, which is very palatial, like you say, <laughs> quite inviting, really. Hopefully it will be full of um, lots of uh, bugs and, and the like. Churches as denominations have financial influence and impact. So investments in pension funds, in where we bank, um, all, of, all of this, how we use our money, can be used um, to promote social and environmental um, justice. Investing in green, in green technology, in land restoration... And then there's the number of people. There are still over 3 million people in the UK regularly attending church, about 5% of the population. And we can add huge value to our practical action by using our voice too, which, again, coming back to Climate Sunday, was what that campaign was all about. Speaking up together nationally as churches to urge our government to accelerate climate-restoring action and to continue to do so, especially this year, whilst we still hold the accountability for COP26 um, ahead of um, what will be COP27 in Egypt towards the end of this year. There are commitments that were made, and we need to hold um, that to account. Imagine if even just a quarter of churches in the UK became beacons of good practice on tackling climate change in the local community and adding their voice to national campaigns. And if even a quarter of churchgoers began to take the environment seriously at home and the workplace, which I'm sure many of you are doing already. So our mission at Arosha UK, um, we're a Christian nature conservation charity, and we seek to equip Christians and churches to care for the environment. Um, here in the UK and then through sister organisations, we're in about 20 organisations around the world. Um, a rocha simply means the rock. It's a Portuguese name because it was started um, in Portugal in the mid-80s. And our response, well, we're trying to build communities to respond. So EcoChurch, which was launched in 2016 in partnership with Christian Aid and Tear Fund and some of the denominations, provides a practical framework which you've been starting to work through to get your bronze award. Um, for churches to take action in caring for the earth across every aspect of church life, from worship and teaching to how we're using our wonderful buildings to what we're doing with our land and how we're acting in our communities. 
And there are now over 4,800 churches across England and Wales taking part in this. And then Wild Christian is our program for families and households wanting to explore our faith and relationships with the natural world and connect with other Christians in wanting to think about sustainable living, both theologically and practically. So it's a growing, again, a growing community of Christians. I think about 5,000 people now signed up. Uh, and you can do so at the back. I left some sheets in the foyer. You'll receive a monthly email with a beautiful reflection written by somebody in that community, some practical ideas for action. And we're also increasingly holding events. So we've got one coming up during Mental Health Awareness Week on the 12th of May, um, when we've got a special guest speaker talking to us about her experience of... Um, setting up um, a charity, being an environmental campaigner, and how to keep ourselves mentally resilient as we um, take action for the environment. And then we're also um, trying to conserve land. We've set a goal of bringing 75,000 acres of land into management for nature in the next five years. We're not a significant landholder. Um, we've got just two reserves. So we're doing that through partners in action. Christian landholders across the country like Lee Abbey in Devon, which you may have heard of, um, Ashburnham Place, retreat centres, activity centres, um, Adventure Plus in Oxford. And those landholders, along with hopefully churches and dioceses and synods and so on, are going to be putting more and more land into caring for nature. And people, the two go hand in hand. Um, just to mention very briefly the reserves, so we do have a tiny urban reserve called Wolffields. Um, it's about three acres in Southall, um, so probably about an hour's journey from here, maybe a bit more. And um, that is a site that's council-owned. It was piled up with rubbish, frequented by drug users about 15 years ago, and it's been transformed into a haven, I wish I'd brought some slides to show you, um, of allotment space, a pond, a sensory garden, and we have groups of people um, back and forth just enjoying that space. We've got an Act for Nature Day coming up on the 25th of June, which any of you would be very welcome to come to. It'll be a day of practical action and inspiration, uh, with hopefully people from many other churches wanting to learn about how to do simple things on our land. We will need courage in the days and months ahead, courage to try things, courage to talk to others, and courage to keep looking head-on at the world as it is, whilst believing in and praying for the world as it should be. We can sustain ourselves by relating to the earth as Jesus did, taking himself to the mountains, to a garden so often, places where he could feel a deeper connection to God. And we can do the same. And who better than Jesus to show us the way? Thank you.